Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Thanks for finding us on the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down here in Tampa. And then there were four. We have finally narrowed down the field of 68 down to four. Two wild weekends worth of games. We've had upsets. We've had Cinderella's. But in the end... As like most years, it's down to four blue bloods. We don't usually have maybe four blue bloods, but we definitely have, uh, most years we have at least one or two blue bloods. But this year we have four blue bloods of the college basketball world. Villanova, Duke, North Carolina, and Kansas will meet in New Orleans this weekend. What what storylines? There's storylines galore. Duke, Carolina, Coach K, Self, and the Jayhawks, Jay Wright, going for his third title in six years. Just stories galore. And we are going to have a great chat with TJ Reeves. TJ's the host of the College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast. He does some work for the TuneIn.com radio channel. He'll be down in New Orleans covering all the festivities this weekend. We're going to talk to TJ about all things Final Four. We're going to reminisce a little bit. There's, there was a couple great anniversaries this week that we are going to talk about in two different sports that we're going to hit on. We're even going to talk to TJ. TJ's a big golf guy. Is the Tiger lurking? Will the Tiger Woods make an appearance at Augusta National next week? Some rumblings. He's out practicing. Made a little trip to Augusta this week. Will he be able to make it to Augusta for the first and second round? Potentially try to make the cut after not having played a competitive round in over 500 days since his car accident. All those answers and a lot more. TJ Reeves up in just a couple minutes. A couple other interesting notes and nuggets from around the sports world. Some, uh be interesting to see when Shaheen Holloway makes the jump from St. Peter's to Seton Hall. Again, shout out to St. Peter's. What a job. First ever 15 seed to make a final eight. The absolute epic David versus Goliath scenario. Finally ran out of gas on Sunday versus North Carolina. But what a job beating Kentucky, Murray State, and Purdue. Getting all the way to the East Regional Final in Philadelphia. Just a great, great, uh, great moment for that university, small university up in Jersey City. Uh, again, great moment, great, great moment for Miami. Jim Laranega getting the Hurricanes to the Final Eight. Just uh, what a job he's doing down in Miami. Just keeps putting together a, a solid program, good teams every year. 
And they make a run to the final eight and again fall short to Kansas. So there you have it. Again, Final Four New Orleans is Saturday. The undercard is going to be Kansas Villanova. And the main event is going to be Duke Carolina. We are going to get into all the details and all the nuggets that you need to know. If you're thinking about, uh, obviously you're going to be hopefully watching the games. Not a whole lot on the football front this week. Pretty slow week. All the news is what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield. Is he going to get traded? What about Jimmy Garoppolo? Sounds like Garoppolo may be staying in San Francisco for the foreseeable future. But we will see. Will Baker Mayfield get cut or will he get traded? Be the interesting question. So, uh, now again, not a whole lot on the football front this week. Some owners meetings. They did change the overtime rule to for the playoffs. Both teams will get an opportunity to get the ball in the playoffs only. The regular season rule of if the offensive team, first team scores a touchdown, the game will be over. That rule will stay in place for the regular season. But in the playoffs, both teams will get an opportunity to possess the ball at least one time in overtime. So I think that's a good rule for the playoffs. Some debate on that. Uh, hopefully your bracket is not in a in a garbage can like mine is. I can't imagine a whole lot of people had Carolina and uh, in the Final Four. But again, you had Gonzaga, Arizona. Again, with as many blue bloods that are in the Final Four, it's amazing how many brackets got blown up with Gonzaga, Arizona, and, and, this, and Purdue and such not getting to the Final Four. But uh, And by the way, for Purdue, that's a terrible loss to St. Peter's. Give St. Peter's all the credit, but that's a game if you're Purdue, you cannot lose under any circumstance to get to the Final Eight for, for a program that hasn't been to the Final Four. You have to beat St. Peter's to give yourself a chance in the Final Eight against North Carolina or UCLA, which ended up being North Carolina. So bad job there by Matt Painter and company. Um, you just wonder if, if at some point... Uh, that message in West Lafayette is getting stale with Matt Painter, but we will see. So, all right, in just a minute, we're going to TJ Reeves will be with us. Again, he'll be telling some good stories about his, all his Final Four experiences and such. So, hang in there. We'll be right back. Again, if you want to find us on Twitter, at JPO Sports. JPO Sports is the Twitter handle. Love to hear from you. Remember, subscribe, rate, and review. And, uh, Tell your friends about the podcast. Love to we'd love to have some more listeners. So hang in there. TJ Reeves right around the corner talking all things Final Four and many other topics. We'll be back to the Powers on Sports podcast in just a moment. Now a word from BetUS. With March Madness in full swing with Selection Sunday right around the corner. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, hopefully starting soon. We'll see about that. You need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may not know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is 1-800-MY-BETUS. You will receive 125% of a sign-up bonus by using the bonus code POWERS22. They have re-up and referral bonuses as well. BetUS is known as America's favorite sports books for a lot of reasons. BetUS has all your NBA and NHL games, team and player props, PGA Tour events. We have the Masters coming up soon, March Madness, 
anything you want to bet on here in the next couple of months, you can bet on through BetUS. They have a great online casino that has hundreds of games and a race book that has all of your horse track betting options. They have every bet type imaginable, and the Sharp BetUS mobile platform is easy with full betting options. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS. You bet, you win, and most importantly, you get paid. BetUS. And remember my our special, your special, promo code POWERS22. BetUS, where the games begin. We'll be back to the Powers on Sports podcast in just a moment. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Folks, interest rates are rising. They are on the rise due to some inflationary issues, world events and such. So if you are in the market for a home, looking to buy, looking to uh, invest in an investment property, second home purchase, beach home, vacation type home, now is the time to get your rate locked in. Reach out to me at Titan Home Lending. Anywhere in the state of Florida, I can help you. So if you're looking for a place in Key West, in Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, Pensacola, anywhere in between, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Let's get you pre-approved for your home purchase. Also, if you'd like to refinance your home, if your interest rate is in the fives or sixes or high fours, Now might be a great time to look at your options of whether to refinance would be beneficial to you financially. So again, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. Feel free to call or text me anytime. I'd love the opportunity to help you anywhere in the state of Florida. Now back to the Powers on Sports podcast. All right, welcome back. It's Final Four weekend on the Powers on Sports podcast. We've got a lot going on this week. A lot of stuff. We've got the Masters coming up next week. We've got Major League Baseball starting in about a week or so. Hockey playoffs right around the corner. NBA playoffs. But this week, we're going to focus the podcast on the Final Four in New Orleans. And nobody better to talk Final Four, college hoops this time of year. My man TJ Reeves, college basketball coast-to-coast podcast. Going to be in New Orleans for the Final Four this weekend. Working for TuneIn.com. Uh, the uh, online po- uh, online broadcast channels and such. Mr. Reeves, welcome back. I don't know that I'm the best qualified person to be here. I was available. I will be there. I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be here with you and talk about it. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I'm like a kid on Christmas morning with this stuff. Can I make it to Saturday night? Especially when we're about to have Duke and North Carolina play in the NCAA tournament for the first time ever. Not going to be easy. Not going to be easy to make it to Saturday night, but we will try to. So it's good to be with you. Good to talk about all of this stuff, my friend. You have picked a good one, a, a good a good year to be able to go to the Final Four, no doubt, with the uh, the the Blue Bloods galore with oh. Kansas Villanova. Obviously, you got Carolina Duke and all the Coach K stuff, and we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. A couple things before we get there. How many Final Fours is this for you and multiple times in New Orleans, correct? So this is the 20th one that I have been privileged to get to go and be part of and cover, starting locally in the Tampa Bay area, doing local radio and going and covering. I I convinced the local bosses after the Final Four had been in St. Petersburg at Tropicana Field in 1999 when UConn defeated Duke for their first national championship. Yep. We covered all that. We were around that. 
And, uh, and so then the next year I can, I convinced the bosses, you need to send me to the final four and I will do my morning show from the final four from the hotel. I'll gather interviews the whole bit. And lo and behold, the 2000 final four in Indianapolis, the Florida Gators make the final four. So I had convinced them long before that I had convinced them about three weeks before that to make travel arrangements, et cetera. So guess who ended up looking like a genius because in the, in the local sports radio wars or whatever, there was only one person and one show that was there with Florida in the final four going for the national championship. And they actually ended up uh, playing in the national title game and losing to Michigan state that year. Yep. So that spawned being able to go locally for the next few years because they believed in me and, and I was there. And then I started to pick up national work with Sirius XM with Fox sports radio and now with tune in and have been privileged to work that and be around the event through them over and over again. So yeah, it's not lost on me that there are so many people that love to go to this event and have to pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars um, to be able just to go and then to get game tickets and the whole bit. So it's not lost on me that it's a privilege to get to go to this, cover this, work it, uh, and there's a great many people that I love seeing and being around at this event that I haven't been around, Jason, because they right. they didn't have it in 2020. It was all cut off because of the COVID-19 outbreak. And then a year ago, they greatly reduced who right. could be there. Right. It was the lo- it was the local school broadcasters, the CBS and Turner broadcasters, the national Westwood one radio broadcasters and like a select few national writers. And other than that, I mean, they were restricting local media to not be there. Right. It was crazy. So this is the first time in three years in and around this setting, going back to March of 2019, that I will get to be around a lot of these same people. And I'm really looking forward to it this weekend, in addition to the great basketball, by the way. Yeah, we're going to get to that. And just before we get to the stuff, the advent of technology, of, of you being able to, and so many others being able to stream on so many yep. different outlets, streaming stuff, YouTube channels, all the different avenues now technologically that broadcasters uh, can take advantage of where you don't have to be, have all the equipment uh, to, to do a bunch of things. You can do stuff pretty quickly and pretty easily with a phone or with a computer laptop that you couldn't do 15, 20 years ago. That is very true. It is. It has so modernized and so efficiently uh, become easy for everybody to be able to do this. You're absolutely right. So I'm anxious to go and cover it this way. The technology is always evolving. It's uh, it's remarkable. And um, yeah, I can remember, I can remember doing this back in the early 2000s and I had like six different things that I had to have to have hooked up to be able to do the show including the headset and how you dial out and if you want to have a guest on you got to do this and somebody would have to call in on the phone and that's the only way to talk to them live on the radio station and you didn't have a way to record it because you couldn't record laptops uh, did not become a thing until much later in the in the 2000s before the 2010s you didn't have a laptop you could record it onto how did you record onto a recorder something it was just crazy what you uh what you had to do so you're right all of that is streamlined but the thing about this i I believe this is the best event in sports it is the culmination of the the best postseason the best tournament and i know you kind of or you may not completely agree with me on this but you're kind of in the same mindset that it's such a great event but in this situation, unlike the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is one game with right. two fan bases. Right. 
And yeah, you got two weeks to build it up, but it's one game with two fan bases. Here you've got four fan bases, two games Saturday, and then another game on Monday. So I get three games instead of one, and I got four fan bases that are there from about Thursday night, Friday morning, all the way through Sunday morning when two of them have lost and everybody's trying to leave. So it is some scene to be around this. It has mushroomed in popularity. Now they're in football dome stadiums instead of basketball arenas to accommodate more people. It's crazy to contemplate that in the top part of that Superdome where, where everybody looks so small uh, that there will still be 20 or 30,000 people buy those tickets to be in there and be, and be watching tiny uh, Paulo Boncaro and and tiny uh, pick one, Colin Gillespie, tiny Baycott of North Carolina, tiny coach K uh, just, uh, I mean, but they can see it on the video board on a replay where it's larger, but you just want to be part of the event. So it's neat to be around this and see how it has grown and see what it's become and see it back at full capacity uh, starting for this year as it has been throughout this tournament. And in a place like New Orleans where there's so much nightlife, so much stuff to do, you'll run into people <laughs> on the street. I'm sure famous people galore will yes. be in town for the weekend. That, you know, like I said, people you haven't there, seen probably there, in several years. I, I don't know how long they've been stocking up. There will not be any alcohol probably left by yeah. Sunday. Yeah. It will be consumed. It will be cleaned out every which direction. So they're ready for a party. They just got done with Mardi Gras. And like you mentioned, I've been there a couple times before. The uh, the 2003 championship by Syracuse with yeah. Carmelo Anthony, Jerry McNamara, Jim Beheim's only title, by the way, yeah. came at the expense of Kansas, by the way, and the two th- and Roy Williams in the 2003 tournament. Roy Williams his last game before he took the North Carolina job. Also there in 2012 with Kentucky, a crazy time with John Calipari. By the way, John Calipari's only championship comes in Kentucky. At the expense, Jason Powers, of the Kansas Jayhawks. Do we sense a theme if we get to Monday night that either Duke or Carolina, which we're going to talk about, is going to be in the title game, and maybe Kansas is there again to be the bridesmaid again at the Superdome in New Orleans? How crazy crazy would that be? Crazy. All right, before we get to the hoops, Sunday night, the slap heard around the world. Were you watching? I, I was not watching. I was tipped off by a couple of people. Did you just see this? And one of them sent me a photo immediately. So um, I, I have to I have to say what I've said on a couple of other interviews about this. I have become detached from the Academy Awards, not so much for political reasons. Right. I, I know that the, the Hollywood elite and uh, the, the out of touch with reality is part of why it's all been declining. But the bigger thing, Jason, right. is I don't go to movies anymore and don't see right. the movies. Right. So we've become disconnected and detached from the Oscars, I think, because a lot of people don't watch movies anymore or as many of them. And so you don't know who's nominated for an award. So why do we care about the award show? Right. So I was not watching to answer your question. Yeah. Full disgrace. However, <laughs> However, I have opinions. I'm sure you have opinions. Tell Give me, it to me. Tell me your opinion is, before I taint you with anything I say. Okay. What's your take? What is your take on what Will Smith did? Obviously, he was making a joke. Obviously, do you make a joke about her hair situation? Mm, maybe not. Whatever. Sounds like there's been, you know, that's not the first time he's done that to her, and I get it. Totally out of line what Will Smith did. I got no problem if he wants to stand up and say something to him. Or, you know, even if he curses at him, I don't have a problem with that. But to walk on to do what he did was a full disgrace. 
He should have been removed. I know he was in the running for best actor. You have to get him out of there. I mean, that's that's just that's just yeah. not cool. More so because the image it sets for daughters like you, who you got daughters who might have yeah. been watching, you know, all that stuff around the world, just that kind of stuff. To me, for them to leave him in there and then for the entire audience to give him a standing ovation after his BS speech, which he gave, was pretty, pretty pitiful, I thought. Wrong message on that. And we've been having the conversation in my house and a lot of others, I'm sure, everywhere, but having the conversation about this is not how you act. This is not how you behave. This is not how you handle situations. Um, I, I just... Uh, the, the conspiratorialist in me, the person that still falls for professional wrestling gags, <laughs> wants to want, wants to at least consider that both of them were in on this. That if you watch Chris Rock put his arms behind his back and take the slap without even flinching and without even touching his face, like he was almost prepared for it and ready for it, okay. it just makes me skeptical. But you look at his reaction after it's over, and he's clearly disheveled. I mean, he clearly, that's not yeah. acting. I didn't think, right. didn't, didn't rise. As somebody put, if that's Chris Rock acting, that's the greatest acting performance of his right. sorry movie-making career, right. if that's what it is. So again, um, but you make a great point too, uh, that, that the fact that he was still allowed to participate in the ceremony and accept the award and do the acceptance speech. Again, it goes back to they're out of touch. In right. that room, right. they're completely out of touch with the rest of the working class, the rest of the regular folks. Right. It is their elite bubble, their elite world, their rules. They'll do whatever they want. Um, and, and I was curious uh, whether or not it bumped the audience after the slap before Will Smith got the award in the final segment of the show, the final 15 minutes, the final half hour. And apparently the ratings did not jump significantly. Okay. My uh, – my resource on that is John Lewis of the sportsmediawatch.com podcast that I, that I help host, one of the 57 podcasts that I help with host and co-host and talk about. And John, John had the ratings info that it was only like a couple of hundred thousand more. I uh-huh. would have guessed a couple of million more. I would have, yeah. would have suddenly turned it on right. and said, what's going on here? And now he's nominated for the award and now he's won the award and now he's giving the speech. Right. Didn't happen. So crazy moment that gives the Oscars millions and millions of more eyeballs and interest than what they normally would have had through the internet with, with what happened. But uh, I also uh, just real quick, I also understand the repercussions that may come from this because the Academy uh, and others may, may end up disciplining him and may say, you can't be back next year. Or I, I don't know what they better. Do. They gave him they the award. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do in the aftermath. Somebody's got to do something to protect Chris rock beyond just an apology. Right. Um, for him being, for him being essentially assaulted on TV for everybody yeah. to see if it was legit. So there you go. All right. Point number two rumors coming out of one Augusta, Georgia today that Mr. <laughs> Tiger Woods played around with his son today in Augusta leading up to speculation. He will be in the field next week. Don't put it past him, but by the same token, he hasn't played a competitive round of golf in almost uh, 14, 15 months here, going back right. to like early uh, January, mid-January of, uh, of last year. Uh, right. Serious ankle fractures. That course, I know you and I have talked about this before, trying to walk that course right. up and down That's the hills. The that'll be the that'll be the interesting thing. So uh, may, maybe this is smoke. Do you think this is just smoke that he might be thinking about playing and he's not actually going to be able to physically play? 
I don't know what to make of it. He can certainly be at the champion's dinner. Yeah. He can certainly be in and around the par three contest. Right, right, right. But he can say to everybody, hey, I can't walk this course and compete. And the competitor in Tiger Woods, that's tough for him to accept. But, I mean, he's missed the Masters on multiple occasions now for various injuries. So it may have to be again that he misses it again here. I don't know. Would he? I, I said this to a golf buddy of mine uh, earlier today before you and I taped this. Would he show up and shoot like an 81 and then withdraw because it's so bad? Mike. Would that be, I mean, do you want to do that? Or do you just want to say, I need more time because you're just trying to show up and play at Augusta? I don't know what I think the competitiveness about. in Tiger is going to try to go play. I don't think he would have made the trip this week doing this if he really didn't think he was at least close enough to, because he knows the treacherous walk that that is. That's nothing new. He knows. But I think he, I think he did this as a trial. I think you're going to see in the next day or so if he feels good tomorrow or doesn't feel terrible tomorrow. I think you got a decent chance. I think he's going to at least give it a go. And he's worth several million more eyeballs yeah. if he is there. So you got that yeah. pressure weighing on him as well. Uh, yeah. Multi-time a green jacket winner. What a story if he could come back and just. Make the uh, cut. Hit some, make the hit cut. some shots. Hit some shots like Tiger Woods. I don't even know that yeah. he has to make the cut, but I don't. I, I don't think I would go too far on on him being able to do very much, just no, because. No. I mean, just because the walk is grueling up and down those hills, especially on the front nine. Yeah. And you could think that you want to do this, and he tried it again with his son, and then you get out there and realize, uh-uh. I can't, right. I can't, and especially the second day, I can't come back and do this again right. at the highest level the second day. And it would not surprise me. I will not be shocked if he makes an announcement in the next day or two. I wanted to try this. Right. I'll be part of the champion's dinner. I'll be part of the ceremony, but I am physically not ready to do right. this yet. And hopefully later this year I will be, and we don't know. We, we don't know when we see him again. Maybe it will be next week. Maybe he's going to try it. We'll find out. All right, back to your wrestling point. You're a big wrestling fan. <laughs> March 29th. 1987, 35 yes. year anniversary. The Hulkster slamming Andre the Giant. At oh my gosh. You like have all the anniversaries this week of all kinds of different things. We're going to get, we're getting to that next. Isn't the anniversary of President Reagan being shot like later this week also? I believe and they, so. They canceled the Academy Awards that night, they yep. didn't hold it. And they still played the college basketball NCAA championship game, Indiana, North Carolina. That anniversary, that 41-year anniversary, I think is later this week, the 30th or the 31st, whichever it is. I did not know the date of uh, WrestleMania three, uh, Hulkamania Andre against Hulkster, Andre baby. the Giant. Uh, did you ever see that documentary on HBO, The Giant, featuring Andre yes. the Giant from beginning to end with Bill Simmons? Yes. Phenomenal. And they could have probably done an hour on the match with Hulk Hogan and the buildup around yep. it but they did a, they did a good 10 or 15 minutes in and around that match yep. phenomenal documentary very Hulk good. hogan obviously still alive andre the giant's been dead unfortunately 20 years but yeah a huge huge moment in pro wrestling but what's one of the biggest misconceptions about that ninety-three thousand in attendance at the silver dome and that match and it's the first time ever hulk hogan's meeting andre the giant jason powers it wasn't except the first. It, it wasn't, the, it first wasn't the first or the fifth time. It was like the twelfth time they had <laughs> met all over the place. It's just in Vince McMahon's world and his cartoonish right. WWF. 
now the WWE, they had never met. And they built it up, and they met at WrestleMania, and Vince McMahon's empire grew exponentially from having that wrestling match with 93,000 there. Nobody was laughing anymore after that in the, uh, in the buildup and the, the pay-per-view. And they've never looked back. You're right about that. Oh, Lord, yeah. All right, speaking of 1981, Philadelphia, Indiana, Carolina. Let's go 11 years later, March 28th, 1992, in the spectrum, 30 years, Christian Leitner at the horn, at the gun, beats the unforgettable. What, what by was that, Monday of this week? That was Monday of this Monday. week was that anniversary. God, yeah. 30 years 30 ago? 30 years where was TJ Reed? So I'm a senior. Years. I'm a senior at Memphis State University. Uh, you're jogging me now greatly and painfully because I had become a student, not only a student broadcaster, but I had begun to work uh, for commercial radio stations. And I was now the Memphis State pregame and postgame host as a hello 21 year old college student. Okay. I'm doing the pregame and postgame show because I sound like I'm 40 even though I look like I'm 12 yeah. and I was actually 21 years old. So I'm the pregame and postgame host as the Memphis State Tigers with one Anthony Penny Hardaway are playing Bob Huggins' Cincinnati Bearcats yes. with Nick Van Exel and others. And that was the first time ever that one team had lost to another team four times in the same Division I college basketball season. Woo. Memphis lost the two regular season games to Cincinnati in the conference, lost the conference tournament championship game to the Bearcats, and then lost by 25 or 30 points in an awful memory against Cincinnati in the Elite regional eight. final at Kemper Arena in Kansas City. So earlier that day, I had been, uh, I had been working doing the pregame and the postgame show uh, prior to that game, prior to that Duke-Kentucky game, that regional final. So, so Memphis State is eliminated. I'm dejected. And then we're just – we're watching with our mouths open. My father was in town in Memphis. His mother, my grandmother, was not doing well. He, uh, and she would eventually pass away later in 1992. He was there to visit his mom, visit, visit my grandmother, visit me. There were a couple of other people that were – we were watching that game. And just incredible drama with Duke trying to go back to back, yep. trying to get back to the final four. And Christian Leitner's uh, amazing shot was only part of the story because the game was in the 100s. Yep. You had NBA players all over the floor in that game. Hall of Fame coaches in, in Coach K and Rick Patino at Kentucky. Just incredible. And it's and, 30 and, years and ago. A wow. couple things about that game that, again, younger audience, you probably didn't see that game live. The guys that are probably 42 and above probably did at some point. Check it out on YouTube. Go look at Kentucky Duke. We think Blue Bloods, but Kentucky was coming off of massive probation when right. Rick Patino took that job. I think it was year two of Patino, I think. That's correct. He had a bunch of nobodies plus a guy named Jamal Mashburn. That's right. Who, who, was, who was a rising star. But a bunch of guys, a bunch of nobody kids, Richie Farmer, John Pelfrey from the coaching, Darren Feldhaus, some yeah. bunch, just a bunch of average players that Patino got to the final four against a legendary Duke team, not just a good Duke team, Leitner, Grant Hill, Bobby yep. Hurley, Cherokee Parks. Grant Hill didn't even start the regional final, came off the bench. <laughs> Thomas Hill, you remember the lefty two guards? Yes. Yes. I mean, just 
an all-time Duke team who had just beaten UNLV the year before. That's right. Clear-cut number one team in the country in the spectrum in Philadelphia. You know, you got Vern Lundquist, Len Elmore on the call, CBS, great. That Man, game you goes did your through. homework. You got it all on this yes. game. You're absolutely right. I didn't realize that Grant Hill came off the bench for that team. Uh, and again, they're I don't looking know about to repeat. that whole year, but that game he came off the bench. Right, and that that year they're looking to repeat. Yes, and Kentucky Kentucky had found what Patino uh, had done his strategy with Providence, Providence, which is the three point shot. Yes, the three point shot was becoming a much bigger deal, and Kentucky was great at it. And uh, I still I still remember they they did that documentary. Speaking of documentaries again, I think it was an HBO or it was an ESPN thirty for thirty on the game. There's probably been two or three of them. Uh, that it looked like Kentucky had won the game on the Sean Woods shot, the unlikely shot kind of in the key off the backboard, unintentionally had gone yes. in to make the game 103 to 102. And then for all time, Rick Patino doesn't put a defender on the inbounder. And the second thing is they let Leitner catch the ball cleanly and turn cleanly to shoot. And the rest he took care of. Uh, incredible. I, and we had the reaction that I'm sure, I don't know where you were watching the game. You can share that. We we're jumping up and down and screaming. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe I was a freshman at Florida state. I'm sure in my dorm room up in Tallahassee. And remember the other drama about that game was about I don't know, midway through the second half Leitner after he gets fouled stomps on a Kentucky guy laying on Correct. the ground intentionally Gets a technical foul. Many people thought should have been ejected in today's day and age of flagrant fouls. Probably, probably would, have been. would have been. Yeah. I mean, no doubt it was an intentional act. Doesn't get ejected. Leitner goes 10 for 10 from the field <laughs> and 10 for 10 from the line. A perfect day, 31 points. Culminated yeah, with the culminated with the 75-foot pass from Grant Hill who they ran that play earlier in the year, and he threw it out of bounds. He threw a banana curveball out of bounds on a previous wow. attempt at that play earlier in the year. Man, did you do your homework on I this, mean, Jason Powers. You did your no homework avail. on this. And like you said, the frozenness on those Kentucky, on Pelfrey's face and yeah. Feldhouse, when he catches the ball at the foul line, again, Leitner with the sense mentally, the smart as he was, Hey, I can take a dribble. I can do a head fake and spin and gets the ball off. Nothing but the bottom to, to win it at the gun. It's such an iconic moment. They've shown it for 30 years. They'll show it for 30 more years on the NCAA tournament coverage. And of course, Vern Lundquist uh, yes. with the call on that. You mentioned the Masters. Vern Lundquist a few years earlier had called Jack Nicholas's famous putt yes. on the 17th hole with the club up in the air. Absolutely. Vern Lundquist would later call the famous Auburn Alabama kick six, yes. you know, the Alabama football tradition where Alabama misses the field goal. The Auburn player on the final play of regulation catches it under the crossbar and goes 109 yards for a touchdown. That's Vern Lundquist too. You, yeah. you go your whole broadcasting career wanting to have a call of a moment like that. Yep. One that goes in the time capsule. Well, everybody will talk about uncle Vern's got three of them. One of the great broadcasters, CBS and their coverage He's got three of those kind of moments in three um, different sports, in three different sports. It's amazing to go back and watch that with Leitner. I contended for the longest time, Jason powers, that if Christian Leitner takes that shot four more times, I believe he makes it three of the five. I, th I don't think he makes it all five. Yep. 
and maybe not four of the five, but I think 60%. Just because in rhythm, catch, turn, shoot, not contested, I like him to make three of those. Yeah. Do you argue with that? Do you think he only makes two? No. Or he's only he, one for five? No, I think, I think again, people, again, if you don't, younger audience, Leitner is an all-timer at the college level. Didn't have the right. greatest pro career, but went to four Final Fours, two national titles. People don't realize two years before that in an East regional, he beats Connecticut at the gun in a, in a, in a yes. regional in the, in the Meadowlands on a fadeaway herky jerky shot to beat UConn and Jim, Cal- Jim Calhoun to go to the final four. So it wasn't his first buzzer beater to send Duke to the final four an all time great at the college level. Everybody hated him. He was a guy everybody hated at Duke because he was the yeah, pretty you- boy Six foot ten, pretty boy, but he was a hell of a player. You did all of your research. Where was Christian Leitner from? Do you know that pop quiz? Upstate you, New York, Chris? Buffalo area. My God, you are on it. Uh, and he got out of upstate New York to go to Duke, and it's it's part of the role that Coach K was on recruiting wise, where he could go anywhere in the country from California to the Midwest to the Northeast to Tobacco Road yep. and go get players. Um, he even came to Tampa. You want to bring it back to Tampa where we're based? One of the best big men in high school basketball in the Tampa Bay area in the last probably 30 years of college basketball had a lot of success on the high school level. His name was Casey Sanders. Yep. And I still remember being around Casey and talking to him some 20 years ago. Casey was part of the national title team in 2001 yep. that won the whole thing. But Coach K rolled in to recruit Casey Sanders himself for the home visit. And I know the legendary story because I heard it from Casey and some other people that he came in the house with the rings on the finger, the championship (laughs) rings to show them off to Casey and his parents in Tampa. Casey went to Tampa prep um, as a seven foot big man, but coach K could roll into Tampa is my point or upstate New York or Chicago or California and get players to come to Duke to Durham, North Carolina And how wild is it, because we're going to bring it back now to the present day, that here we are 30 years later, and he's back in a Final Four in what, his 42nd season at Duke, Duke, in his late 70s, still going strong, incredible. One more note about that game, and you'll appreciate this. After the game's over and all the mayhem and all the hysteria, again, many people think it's the greatest college basketball game of all time with all that was on the line. He goes to talk to the legendary Kentucky radio guy, Kaywood Ledger, his final game for for Kentucky. He was retiring. He goes on the air post-game Kentucky, not his Duke guys. He goes on the Kentucky broadcast and just says, oh, my God, what a great game. Kaywood, thank you for your career. All that stuff on top of that. Just, I mean, what a moment. I mean, Class act, of course. And I mean, it's easier to do that when you win. Sure. Obviously, we say that all the time. It's easier to go give that interview when you win. Uh, and we're still talking about that game 30 years from now. I, I mean, I'm 30 years later. We're going to talk about it 25 or 30 years from now. If we're both still alive, hopefully we are in the annals of college basketball. I, I would say, and you and I talked about this a year ago at this time at the Final Four, that Gonzaga-UCLA game last year, yep. limited fans inside of the Lucas Oil Stadium, Yep. For the final four, the half-court shot by Suggs in overtime yep. 
with just back and forth, great drama. It belongs in the conversation with this Duke-Kentucky game that we're talking about. And I still believe that a year later. I believe yep. that game deserves to be in the conversation. I don't, I don't think it surpasses that game. Right. Gonzaga didn't end up winning the title. Duke did end up winning the title and right. end up repeating. But that, that game last year deserves to be in the conversation, too. Do you still agree a year later? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, that's an all-timer. Be. That's an all-timer. And Duke, remember, Duke then beat Michigan, the Fab Five, to win Correct. the title in 92. So they Correct. beat a, a historic team as Duke, well. Duke, Duke beats Kentucky on the last second shot, then beats Bob Knight and Indiana. Shashevsky and Leitner and Hurley and Grant Hill beat Bob Knight and Indiana. His mentor, Cheney, right? His mentor, Damon, Damon Bailey, right? Yes. All those guys for Indiana. Yep. And then they beat Michigan in the championship game with the Fab Five. That's yep. correct. From that wow. year uh, with John oh. Howard, Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, it. and the whole bit. It's incredible. And do, can I can I share this with you? TJ Reeves in the house at the Metrodome. I was there on a ticket in the upper deck of the Minneapolis Metrodome, now torn down. I was there as a fan. Nice. First time I've ever been to a Final Four as a fan, nice. and then I've gotten to work 19 more. This will be the 20th one that I've worked, but I was there that night for the repeat. I don't think I've ever asked you this. Who were the handful of voices, broadcast voices, that kind of were inspirational to you from a broadcasting perspective? Well, in terms of, uh, of growing up, I mean, I loved radio and listening to the radio and all kinds of different guys on the radio, of course, locally here, Gene Deckerhoff was iconic right. on the Florida State games, on the Buccaneer games, on the Tampa Bay Bandits USFL games. Yep. But there was a Memphis basketball announcer, Memphis State basketball announcer named Jack Eaton. Jack Eaton was a local sportscaster. He was phenomenal at calling the Tiger games on the radio. You just, right. you gravitated to how he called the game. You listened to Musburger call a game on TV, and it felt right. like the biggest thing you've ever seen. They could make you... Al Michaels the same way, not just the hockey, do you believe in miracles? But when you're watching Monday night football as a teenager right. and you're dreaming about being a broadcaster, right? You're watching this stuff and you're, you're saying, I want to be like that guy. So there's a few of them that I would, that I would throw out that I would want to try to emulate later on in, in my career. Um, and, and you get inspired by the way that they could make the moment bigger that they could make the make you feel like this is the greatest thing that you're watching or the biggest thing that you're watching. That's what the best do. Um, I certainly don't belong in any of those conversations with any of those guys, but I just, I tell you, when you ask me, who did I listen to? Who did I emulate? Um, mean, mean Gene could read the phone book to mm -hmm. you and you would be, and you, you would be locked in because he's Gene. That's the way it is. It comes to him naturally. I would be able to call the game. But, yeah, that's that's neat that you would ask me that. Yeah, and give a shout-out to Gene Deckerhoff. He's retiring from Florida State. Correct. Not from the Buccaneers yet, but he's retiring from his Florida State duties. I don't. You tell me, how many years was he the play-by-play -play guy? 43, 43 at Florida State. And you were there a brief time while yep, he was yep. calling games, playing yep. for Bobby Bowden and kicking footballs at Florida State uh, on the teams. Gene, is, Gene has been synonymous with Florida State yep. athletics, football, basketball, baseball. and baseball going back to the 1970s, going back some six decades, back to the 1970s. So, uh, again, good for him that he is cutting back. Yep. As he has said, he's going to fulfill the Buccaneer contract for this season, and then beyond that, who knows? Right. Um, he gets to go out when he wants to go out. The guy's in the in the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. He's in the College Football Hall of Absolutely. Fame. Absolutely. 
and he's a Hall of Famer off the mic while we're talking that up on Power. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's get to the games on the court. Yes. Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm Jason along with TJ Reeves. Among other things, host of the College Basketball Coach to Coach Podcast. We'll be in New Orleans uh, this weekend for the Final Four. Sideline reporter for the Buccaneers and a plethora of any other major things that I – uh, as we as we move, you don't have enough time. You don't have enough yes. hours in the podcast to go That's over. A good I probably thing. have, I probably have too thing. many things. But I would rather have too many things than not enough things. So I probably that's have. A, that's, a, that's a good problem to have, Mr. Reeves. Okay, good problem you. to have. Let's go Someone to math. Let's go, a sickness. I'm glad that you think it's a good thing. Keep going. <laughs> All right, let's go through. Let's go through each team in the final four. We'll hit a couple notes, a couple nuggets, and then I'll get a prediction. Let's start Villanova. The huge injury to Justice Moore, Justin Moore, that the Achilles tear, terrible at the end of that Houston game. They play six guys. Jay Wright is an unbelievable coach. Don't have a great player. Gillespie's a, the, the consummate Villanova point guard kind of guy. Got just enough size. Most fundamental team in the tournament. They play the right way all the time. Your thoughts, Villanova? That loss of Justin Moore, their second leading scorer, good outside shooter, that hurts them greatly. I would not count Jay Wright, though, out in this game. Again, they don't play a lot of guys. Um, I'm going to waffle back and forth on this game probably all the way till we get to Saturday night, depending on when they're hearing the podcast. Yep. I, I, Kansas is favored. They should be favored. Sure. But they looked vulnerable in the first half with Miami. They let they let Providence in the Sweet 16 game come right. back on them when Providence had played a terrible game up until that point, especially offensively. Something says to me this could be an ugly high 50s, low 60s game that Villanova can win. And Jay Wright, by the way, has now won uh, what uh, at this level, two Final Fours with two national championships and now has won another Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Big time coach. And I'm not saying Bill Self's not, but you might give the slight nudge, the slight nose to Jay Wright in in uh, in this basketball game for Villanova. Again, if the Villanova bench can give them any little bit of production, doesn't have to be scoring necessarily, but minutes, because you got to be able to give those guys a couple minutes, that starting five. He's going to try to milk that starting five as long as he can, but how much will that Justin Justin Moore injury key, especially offensively for Villanova? They're going to be very good defensively, but can they score? You're right. Villanova wants this game in the 50s. Kansas, Abaji, not played very well during the tournament. But they're consistent. They got a they got a good mix of big men. They got Remy Martin, transfer Arizona, McCormick in the yep. middle. Good, good balance. And explosive. Just ask Miami. Ask Jim Laranega right. and Miami that were in command at the half. Right. And then suddenly uh they got hit like Mike Tyson hit people back, speaking of the 80s right. and the 90s in the first round, and it was over. Uh, because that was like what 18 to 4 or whatever out of the locker yep. room, 29 to 6. They couldn't stop them. 47 so, 15 in the second half. And he did a phenomenal job of making adjustments on their half court offense, et cetera. This is such a great coaching matchup. You mentioned McCormick, the big man that's there. They've got Lightfoot, the other big man that's yep. there that can make some things happen. This is probably Kansas back to the championship game. And you have to understand people that are, that are hearing us in that part of the world, Kansas basketball is King. Yes. Not unlike what we're talking about on Tobacco Road with North Carolina and Duke. Right. Or if you're talking about Syracuse basketball in Western New York, back to that. Or if you're talking about Kentucky in the Bluegrass State. Uh, I mean, basketball is king in Kansas. They live and die on everything the Jayhawks are doing. And I can't wait to get to New Orleans to see how many Jayhawks are there in and around the French Quarter and the Superdome. 
because they they only have the one national title with Bill Self. They want another one here, and I, I am sure uh, they're the only number one seed left. Their fan base believes, why aren't we favored? Why not us to be in that title game if not win it? Right, and their one title was at the expense of your Memphis Tigers. Sorry to You say. have to bring that up. <laughs> you have to bring up that I'm sitting in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, and Mario Chalmers is 15 feet in front of me on the press on the second press row, I'm right on line with him. When he shot that ball, I'm looking right at it against my alma mater going, that's going in to tie the game oh, and God. force overtime in the final second. Yikes. And and the end result is Kansas wins in overtime and Memphis has gotten no closer to even the sweet 16 than, uh, than that moment in the national championship game. But yeah, that's Bill Self's big moment. I mean, keep in mind, that's now 14 years ago that he won oh, one. Gee, that's so crazy. An expectation about trying to get another one. That's how hard Eric, it is to yeah. win another one. I mean, the only active guy in college basketball besides Mike Shashevsky that has two of them is Jay Wright. I keep quoting this stat. I may have done it on the Powers on Sports podcast before. Shashevsky's got five. Jay Wright's got two. Bill Self's got one. My, I mean, Tom Izzo's got one. John Calipari's got one. Yep. Jim Beheim's got one. Yep. Scott Drew's got one. Tony Bennett's got one. Everybody's got one. That's and, how and, hard and, it is to win this thing. And Jay Wright's got two in the last six years. That's correct. Fourth Final Four for Jay Wright. I got to ask you, you, any news on the Memphis situation? I know the, the, the news kind of breaking out of some well, issues. You're trying to put me in a bad mood before I'm I go sorry, to the Christian I got to ask you. To have beignets. All right, so here's the short version. Here's the because we could go for another 30 yeah. minutes. The short version is if you had to guess how <laughs> how long is the NCAA documentation? Right. How many pages? If you had to guess how many pages is the NCAA 100. documentation and allegations? 100. 100. Too high? Higher. 300. They presented they presented Memphis with 50,000 documents, 50,000 documents of interview transcripts, documentation of different things. They, they, Memphis had to have a team of people that took days to go through days, plural, like a whole week to go through all of the documentation and read everything that they sent them not all of his allegations, but this is the documentation for what they're alleging or for what right. they're trying to prove. So the first thing is, again, don't let me spend 15 minutes on this. No. I'm going to spend like two or three. The yes. first thing is when you're sending 50,000 documents to the school, you are almost trying to legally blind them and, and frustrate them and, and make them just knuckle under. And, so force, them to fire, and force them to fire Penny Hardaway. Well, yeah, but I mean, the, the first thing is Memphis is digging in. They're not going to do that. So they have now responded to the allegations and the documentation that's been given yeah. to them. And that's what's now coming to light. The media has gotten a hold of the allegations and the response. All right. So one of the first things that Memphis is saying is you gave us 50,000 pages. And what are the specifics? What are the specifics that you're charging us with? Are the specifics that you're charging us with that we played James Wiseman, the big man, yeah. that we played him when we shouldn't have played him? Okay. Is that the specifics? Because also what the NCAA is saying is, well, Penny Hardaway, uh, the coach, was a high school coach in Memphis. Right. And he paid for the moving expenses of Wiseman's family to come to Memphis and play high school ball in right. Memphis. And so that he's a booster and he shouldn't have done that. And it's violations. Well, 
Memphis's argument is when Penny Hardaway did that, he's not a Memphis booster. He's the, he's the coach of the team that chose to do that. And he could not have known and did not know that they were going to fire Tubby Smith a couple of years later and name him the coach. Right. So that's part of their argument. Uh, again, this is going to go back and forth. It's probably going to result in Memphis losing scholarships, probably a postseason ban. Yep. I don't know that it rises to the level of getting rid of Penny Hardaway, but okay. we'll see. So they're right. fighting back. Okay. They have fought back. They have said, you sent us 50,000 pages in documentation. What are we doing here? All right, let's get to, let's get to the main event Saturday night. Yep. The all-timer, the first time ever, ever they've played in the postseason NCAA tournament, Duke, Carolina. Hubert Davis, the first ever coach to ever coach for his alma mater and play for his alma mater in a Final Four. Obviously, Coach K's final go here, year 42 at Duke. You know, give Carolina credit. I thought they were dead when they blew the 25-point lead to Baylor. For them to survive and get through right. that overtime, give them full credit for that. Duke, Duke, obviously, with the coming back against Michigan State in the second round. Valiant effort by Duke to get through Texas Tech. And then for Duke to avoid Gonzaga and get to the Final Four. What a, what a moment. What are your thoughts on just the rivalry in general and this matchup? It's incredible. And now it's going to be on steroids. It's going to be times 10. I mean, the state of North Carolina is going to shut down about five o'clock to watch uh, Eastern time to watch that game at about nine o'clock Eastern yep, time. Yep. It is all they're going to care about and talk about for years is whatever happens in this game, because it's obviously now the high wire act moves to New Orleans. Coach K's final game could be Saturday night and it could be a loss to North Carolina after he already right. lost to him in his final home game. Right. Cameron or he wins the game and he's going for the fairy tale ending by winning the national title in new Orleans. So this is going to be some showdown. I, I've, I, I agree with those that are saying, I don't know what you can take away from the two regular season meetings, because right. this is worth so much more on a neutral floor in a football stadium setting in the Superdome Duke explosive with Bancaro leading them, but they also have the, the guard Roach that came on shooting the ball. Well, Wendell Moore can shoot the ball, North Carolina, obviously with Caleb love that can shoot the ball. Brady Manick, the transfer from Oklahoma's played great. Baycott in the middle. Mark this Williams gonna, for Duke has been unbelievable. Yes. It's just going to be a back and forth battle with so much drama, so much tension, so much suspense, yeah. you know, Jason, give me your thoughts. This is going to be close. Yes. No matter who wins, it's coming down to the end. No doubt. It's coming down to the probably final couple of possessions. If not the final possession, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for Saturday. If you're a ticket broker and you got some extra tickets, oh. you're going to make, you're going to make a pretty penny this weekend. My buddy, our buddy, Tyler Jones, who we utilize on college basketball coast to coast, he's a Jayhawk through and through. Yep. He's trying to figure out how to get a ducket. He's got a flight. He's like, have you seen the prices yes. to get in? The prices are $700, $800 for the bad seats. The good seats are $1,500, $2,000, $3,000 a ticket right now and probably going to go up. So, Because all four crazy. of those teams travel. All oh. four of those teams are bringing them. And think about the people that aren't even fans of the program that want to be there for yes. this event and to be there for part of the history of Coach right. K and Duke right. against Hubert Davis in North Carolina. It's going to be Incredible. some scene, and you're right. It is a total seller's market right now <laughs> for uh, for the for the ticket brokers and those that have tickets that are looking to part with them. It's going to be something else. I expect a great game. Yep. 
I'll predict on the Powers on Sports podcast, Coach K and Duke, they're not losing. Duke's not going to lose now at this point. They'll get North Carolina. They'll get in the title game. There's my thought on that. I don't know about your thought, but there's my thought on that. I think it's a barn burn. I'd love to see double overtime, 103-102, Duke-Kentucky kind of game. You know, classic. I just hope it's a a good game. I I hope one team doesn't go out and win by 15 and it's a dud. Either way, I just hope it's a really good game. Uh, I'm going to give you Villanova in the other one. I think I smell upset. Jay Wright, I love Jay. I'm a believer in Jay Wright. Bill Self has had some gag moments in his career in the in late in these tournaments. Give me Jay Wright, Colin Gillespie. Remember Villanova, best free throw shooting team in the country. Number one, number one free throw shooting. Fifteen for fifteen against Houston last Saturday. To your point. Yep. They've seen as physical a team as they're going to see in Houston. So Kansas is not that kind of – they're a good team, not any superstar players for Kansas, good players, no superstars. I like a low-scoring Villanova, and I'm going to go Villanova-Duke Monday night. Mm. CBS is loving this. Huge ratings. Oh, they Hey, look, they're guaranteed Villanova or Kansas in the title. I mean – even if Coach K and Duke are gone, yep. it's a chance for North Carolina to win it against a story program like Kansas or, or can Villanova get a third one? So Absolutely. they're going to have ratings uh, through the roof. Again, I'll reference my buddy John Lewis on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Uh, he, his reference point is the title game, and I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, it's the Duke-Wisconsin title game of 2015 had 22 million people. Since that title game, there has not been another NCAA tournament title game get to 20 million. So what John's thing is, can the Duke Carolina game get to 20 million viewers on cable on TBS Saturday night? And could the title game, if it's Duke and Coach K going for it against Villanova yes. or Kansas, get beyond 22 million? He's not sure if it can wow. because of cable, not because of uh. the drama and the matchup. He doesn't think enough people will find it on TBS. Wow. I don't know. I don't. We're going to find out. We're going to wait and see. What does the preliminary Saturday night number look like to tell us about Monday night if Duke is there on Monday night? Great point. Great point. All right, my man, tell everybody where they can find you. I want to. I better see some pictures from you, some Twitter oh, yeah. pictures. From, you can from, from uh, super dope. Some so, social media. Find me at Buck Sideline Guy, B U C. I'll be there for tune in. I'll be there for the college basketball coast to coast channel and podcast. We'll be doing live shows on the weekend. I'll put some photos out live show Saturday, live show Sunday, live show Monday in the afternoon. Uh, That'll also be in podcast form. Find college basketball coast to coast in podcast form. Hear the show whenever you want on your own time frame uh, with the podcast, but I can't wait to be there. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. I can't wait for Saturday. I mean, I got to wait for Saturday, but I cannot wait for Saturday and Saturday night. If you're a sports fan, you got to watch Saturday night. Even if you don't watch the first game, you got to watch Duke Carolina. Even if you hate those two teams, it's going to be an event. The event is going to be a game that is going to be talked about 10 years from now, probably 25 years from now, and maybe longer because it could be coach K's final game, or it's a chance to beat his arch rival to get into the national title game. Right. Uh, to maybe match John Wooden with a sixth championship. Are you kidding me? Uh, They could not. Hollywood. This is Hollywood, Jason Powers. And I'm going to get the privilege of being there, and I will report back. I'll report back on how it goes.
All right, my man. Have a great weekend and stay safe and don't be drinking. Don't be drinking those. Don't be getting in that uh, trouble there on Bourbon Street, my man. I am the I'm the straightest arrow you know, so I will behave and I will make sure that others get from point A to point B. And and we get to enjoy tons of basketball. And again, I get three games out of this weekend. Are you kidding me? Not just one like the Super Bowl. I get three of them. Great to be back at the final four. Look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me and letting me tell stories again. You got it, man. All right. Have a great visit. And we will be right back on the Powers on Sports podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues, and we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.